Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. You may be seated. I want to ask you this morning to open your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 22. You know, as you're, as you're turning there, um, I want you to think about, this isn't in the message, this is just something or what we were just talking about. I want you to think about the word revival, something that was alive and needs to come alive again. I believe in all my heart, folks, that that's what God is getting ready to do in some of the church world. I believe God is preparing us and speaking to us because as crazy as it gets out there, I read the end of the book. And when the Messiah comes, he's coming for a glorious church. You and I want to be a part of that. Can I have an amen? amen. All right, we're going to talk about this week again. We're going to talk about what will heaven be like? You know, we were talking um, the last couple weeks in the book of Hebrew, chapter 12. We're told by God that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness. Now, the reason, the reason why I started teaching on this is because God laid on my heart. I read something or somebody said something to me that most of the statistics when people are asked, do you want to live forever? Their answer is no. We don't want to live forever. And the reason is we think heaven will be boring. And I start, so I started thinking, well, you know, that's what most people think. You know, you, you have a picture of heaven. You see, when you're a little kid, you see a cartoon and, and you, you see people sitting on a white puffy cloud playing a harp and they got angels wings and a halo sticking up over them. And you know, that's, that sounds okay for the weekend, but it doesn't sound very exciting for ever and ever and ever and ever. When we've been there 10,000 years, We've only just begun. Bring. What, what time is it now? Bring. And so I started thinking, well, I want to study this. Number one, heaven is anything but boring. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witness. And when you think about that, you look at Hebrews chapter 11, and it gives us just a partial list of those that we'll see in heaven. It says Abel, uh, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. These are some of the people we'll be, we'll be walking down. Next week, we're going to talk about a new Jerusalem. We'll be walking down the streets of Jerusalem. And we'll be walking by, and we'll, here comes uh, uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses. Hey, Mo, how you doing? And we just keep on walking. We're, seeing, we're, we're actually seeing these people. And then we'll see Peter, James, and John. Can you imagine hearing the stories that they can tell us? Can you imagine meeting these people and maybe eating with these people and having fellowship with these people? That's what it means when it says we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. All these people that we read about in the Bible are real people. 
on the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples saw Moses and Elijah and knew who they were. This was a, 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 an example of us seeing these real people. The Bible says that we'll be surrounded by angels, and then it describes all the different kinds of angels that will be walking along the streets with us. Angels with seven wings, angels that are like flaming fire, angels that are that are so uh, uh, magnificent that when people would see them, they would fall down to the ground. We'll be seeing this. It's not boring. The Bible says we'll we'll see our right now our our uh, guardian angels. That angels are ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation. You know, without getting into all that, each and every one of us has at least two angels with you right at this very moment. Remember when the prophet said, Lord, open his eyes. He didn't go to a different place. He wasn't he wasn't lifted to another uh, dimension. God just opened his eyes and saw that there are more of us than there are of them. We, we, have, we have angels with us at this very moment. When you go to work, you have angels with you. When your children go to school, they have angels. I remember uh, a painting that I saw that I just loved, and it had these little kids, and they were being, uh, uh, in Yiddish, it's called the nudnik, um, um, uh, in English, um, rascal, being rascals. And uh, they're hanging off of this bridge, and the bridge is, you know, they're, they're, they're messing around off this bridge, and their angels are down there. <laughs> you know, when we talked about angels, and man, when I started studying angels, you know, my eyes were open to the reality of how powerful these people are. A lot of people ask me, Pastor, do you really believe that we have, each and every one of us, guardian angels? And, 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 well, absolutely. I can remember when Tiz and I first got married, I used to drive uh, semis for different freight lines. And I would deliver, uh, I would drive uh, the big semis and then I would drive the the double boxes. And uh, one of the routes I had when we lived back in Flagstaff, Arizona, was delivering out in the Navajo Reservation. And that day, I'd done a two or three day trip to what's called Peabody Coal. And the whole area is like bluffs and cliffs. And all day long, as I would, it, it was so steep and so dangerous that I'd have to drop one box of the truck and take one up, unload it, and then come back down these very dangerous roads, drop that box, hook up to another box, and drop it up. And all day long, I just felt something wasn't right. How many know what I'm talking about? You just, that's called discernment. You, you, every one of you have it. You just feel something's, and so the whole time I'm praying, I'm, I'm just, you know, it's dangerous. Yes, it's it's uh, it's a little scary, but it's beyond that because I've delivered there many times. I could just feel something wasn't right, and so all day long I'm delivering, I'm unloading all this stuff, and and I'm praying in tongues. 
Well, by the time I got done from being up there, and you're supposed to be off of there before it's nighttime because they come and they water the roads, uh, the, their, their, their clay roads, and it gets real sick, uh, slick, and I'm coming down this road, and it's, not, it's night. I'm supposed to be off, and you're supposed to get down before it's dark and beat the trucks down. You, you guys know what I'm talking about. When clay, packed clay gets wet, it's just like ice. It's worse than ice. And I'm driving down the, down the, the mountain, and, and all of a sudden I come around, and it's, and it's almost totally dark, and a water truck is in front of me spraying water. I put on the brakes, and when I put on the brakes, I look in my rearview mirror, and the, the, the trailer is passing me. And it's cliff on both sides. And so I'm, you know, uh, you know, how many know sometimes we don't know what to pray, so we go, you know, and it's just there, and my, my truck straightened up, so I got down, and I hooked my other box up, and I'm driving back, and I can still feel something isn't right, and it's pitch black out, and on the Navajo Reservation, they have open range. Their horses are on the roads, their cows are on the roads, and I'm driving, and I'm just singing in the spirit i'm just praying and all of a sudden i feel this presence of god fill my cab i mean just super i just feel it and as soon as i felt that i see somebody sitting in the seat next to me i'm not joking and I come over this hill. This happens like bam, bam, bam. And I come over this hill. I'm driving a double rig. I come over this hill. And when I, and I feel the presence of God. And I see somebody. And all of a sudden, I come over the top of this hill. And in front of me is a herd of cattle. Now, I'm driving a double rig. And all of a sudden, the steering wheel pops out of my hand. That double rig, the cattle are all on the highway. That rig goes like that in between. There's no way I could have done that. There's no way. And I can see this. For, this is happening so fast. I can see it. And my rig goes through that, and I get past it, and I'm safe. And then the, whatever that was is gone. I have no doubt that's a guardian angel. I have no doubt. Without a shadow of a doubt. I pulled into the to the uh, the lot the, the 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 headquarters there, and when I put the brakes on uh, on my truck, the back the two boxes popped off the truck and fell to the ground. Now I have no doubt that my angels, when I get to heaven, are going to be all beat up. <laughs> Their wings are going to be ripped, but we're going to meet. Not only Michael and Gabriel, the archangels, we're going to meet our guardian angels. Folks, heaven is going to be anything but boring. So we're going to meet Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're going to have jobs to do. We're going to be, we're going to be serving the Lord in heaven. We're going to be helping him rule and reign. We're going to meet our angels. But, you know, in all the years that I've been in the ministry... I have seen lots and lots of babies born, but unfortunately, I've had to be with family when someone we love passes away. And one of the things that I am asked more than anything else is, will we see our loved ones in heaven? 
I want you to read with me in Matthew chapter 22. And let's just start with verse 32 and see what the word of the Lord says. Matthew 22, verse 32. He says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Let me stop right there. How many times have we read that and just passed through it? Jesus says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, this is a long, long time after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is gone. And what does he say? We just kind of miss it. He said, I'm not the God of the dead. I'm the God of the living. All right, let's sink in. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are gone, but I'm not the God of the dead. I'm the God of the living. In other words, they're still alive. Right? Now look at this. And when the multitudes heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Now, let me stop right there. I don't know if I'll hit there this week or not. The Sadducees are the ones that asked Jesus the trick question. Remember in, when they said, uh, um, the Sadducees didn't believe in, in the afterlife. And they're the ones that said, well, if somebody marries somebody and that one dies and they remarry, so whose wife will they be in heaven? And there's an answer that I hope we'll get to that. But you got to understand the Sadducees didn't believe in the afterlife. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, saying, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in all of the Torah? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Now, 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 I want to read this slow. They came to try to trick Jesus. But in trying to trick Jesus, Jesus gives us a revelation that you and I need to grab a hold of today. What is the greatest commandment of all? Listen to what he says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is just like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, they come to Jesus and they said, what's the greatest commandment? Loving God or loving... And Jesus said, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. And then he says that on these two commandments hangs every single thing that you find in the word of God. Every single thing that we see written, taught, described in the word of God is based on love. When I read all these different near-death experiences, those of who got a glimpse into heaven and then came back, every one of them had one thing in common, that everything in heaven is about love. The whole point of heaven is love. Now, I want you to think about this. 
Here on earth, God says, everything I teach you is based on love. Loving God, loving each other. So if everything on earth, which is temporary, is about love, loving people, loving God, loving your neighbor, loving your family, loving your children, why do we think when this life is a vapor of smoke and we enter into perfection, why do we think loving our family and loving our friends would change when we go into the place that is all about love? Where we go, there's no sickness, there's no fighting, there's no sorrow, there's no poverty, there's no racism. Everything in heaven is perfected. As much as we love each other here, it's nothing compared to uh, the love we will have for each other when we enter in to heaven. So if love and relationships is the goal on this earth, Everything, what did Jesus say? Everything I teach you, everything I teach you is about love and relationships here on earth. Why would we think that would lessen and not increase when we get to the place that all things are perfected? Loving our family, loving our wife, loving our husband, loving our children, loving one another. In reality, as you read these near-death experiences, in reality, heaven is, the first moments in heaven are a great welcome home party. Listen to what it says in Genesis 25, 8. Then Abraham breathed his last, and he died and was gathered to his people. Now, that's repeated over and over again when it's talking about Abraham, it's talking about Isaac, it's talking about Jacob. They're gathered to their fathers. They're gathered to their people. They're gathered to those who passed away before them. And when they enter into heaven, they were once again with those they loved. Over and over again, time after time, the Bible tells us that when they entered into heaven, they were with the ones they loved. There's a study done, not a Christian study, a secular study, by the University of Virginia called the Kelly Study in 2001. And they studied over a thousand near-death experiences, people on the operating table, people in car accidents, people in different uh, uh, elements of life that have died and gone to heaven, saw heaven and came back. And in this university study, it says 95% of those who went to heaven and came back were first greeted by not only the Lord, but first greeted by their family members. 5% recognize friends that have gone before the Lord. Now, this isn't a, this isn't a preacher study. This isn't a Christian study. This isn't a Bible study. This is a study by the university of people who had near death experiences. And people say the moment they went from this life, the next life, they immediately saw their family. Now, I don't know about you, but that's good news. Heaven has a welcoming committee and almost every one of these people who saw friends and family waiting for them to come into the gates of heaven 
could not wait to show them around at what they had already experienced. Now, I want to read this to you, and I want you to think about what Jesus said in the book of uh, Luke chapter 16. Now, listen to this, and then I'm going to read you the story. In the book of, in the book of uh, Luke chapter 16, let me find the story, make sure I got the right one. In the book of Luke 16, listen to what Jesus says. He says, use your, and, and, and I'm going to read it in a different translation. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends with them. Then when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you into your eternal home. Now, let me say that again. Jesus says, use, as I bless you, use the blessing on this earth to bless others. And when you bless others, you're making friends. And when you no longer need these earthly things, these friends that you've made will be part of the welcome committee when you come into your eternal home. You know, when I, when I read that, and, and, I, and I'm going to read this story, I was thinking about how many, uh, how many like right now, right, I think this week or next week, there are 300 Ethiopian Jews that are in unbelievably terrifying situation. And 300, we're, we've just paid for, you and I, you've just, you have just paid for a plane to bring 300 Ethiopian Jews, their families, together to land in the nation of Israel and save their lives. Now, I'm going to tell you this, and just for the, let you pray about it, there are 7,000 more Ethiopian Jews that love the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 7,000 more that are in horrible, and, and, I, and I feel like God laid in my heart, Tiz and I in our heart the other day when we were filming our television program, we need to raise this year another half a million and help as many as we can. But someday, people that we've never met are going to be waiting in the streets of Jerusalem and walk up to you and shake your hand and hug your neck and kiss your cheek and thank you for what you've done. Bomb shelters you've, we've had, 50,000 meals, 50,000 meals to children every month in Africa because of you. Children eat every day in Africa, 50,000 meals a month because of you. Let me read it again. Thinking about that, let me read it again. Jesus said, use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends of them. And then when your earthly possessions are gone, you don't need them anymore. These people will welcome you into your eternal home. They'll be waiting for you. Let me read this story. Do I have a handkerchief? This is a story about a man that's name is Don Piper. Don Piper was coming back from a pastor's conference when an 18-wheeler lost control on a rainy bridge and hit Don head-on, running over the top of his car. When the EMS arrived several minutes later, Don was pronounced dead. For 90 minutes, his dead body laid trapped in the car while EMS waited for the jaws of life to cut him out 
of the squashed wreckage. Simultaneous with my last recollection, he says, of seeing the bridge and the rain, at that moment, a light enveloped me with a brilliance that is beyond earthly comprehension or description. Only that, in the next moment of awareness, I was standing in heaven. Joy pulsated through me as I looked around, and at that moment, I became aware of a large crowd of people. Boom, boom. They stood in front of a brilliant, ornate gate. I have no idea how far away they were because such things as distance didn't matter. As the crowd rushed towards me, I didn't see Jesus, but I did see people that I'd known. And as they surged towards me, I knew instantly that all of them had died during my lifetime. Their presence seemed to be absolutely natural. They rushed towards me. Every person was smiling, shouting, and praising God. Although no one said so, intuitively I knew that they were my celestial welcoming committee. It was as if I had, as if they had all gathered just outside heaven's gate, waiting just for me. The first, first, the first person I recognized was Joe Coolberth, my grandfather. He looked exactly as I remembered him, with his shock of white hair and what I called his big banana nose. He stopped momentarily, stood in front of me. A huge grin covered his face. I may have called his name, but I'm not sure. Donnie. That's what my grandfather always called me. His eyes lit up. He held out his arms as he took the last steps towards me. He embraced me, holding me tightly. He was once again the robust, strong grandfather I'd always remembered as a child. The crowd surrounded me. Some were hugging me, a few kissed my cheek, while others pumped my hand. Never had I felt more love. One person in that greeting committee was Mike Wood, my childhood friend. Mike was special because he invited me to Sunday school and was influential in my becoming a Christian. Mike was the most devoted young Christian I knew. He was also a popular kid and had lettered four years in football and basketball and track. When he was 19, Mike was killed in a car wreck. It broke my heart when I heard about his death. And now I see Mike in heaven. As he slipped his arm around my shoulder, my pain and my grief was vanished. Never had I seen Mike smile so brightly. I still don't know why, but the joyfulness of this place wiped away any questions I had. Everything felt blissful. Everything was perfect. More and more people reached for me, called me by my name. I felt overwhelmed by the number of people who had come to welcome me into heaven. And then I saw Barry Wilson, who had been my classmate in high school, but later drowned in an accident in a lake. Barry hugged me. 
His smile radiated a happiness I didn't know was even possible. He and everyone that followed praised God and told me how excited they were to see me and to welcome me to heaven and to the fellowship that they all already enjoyed. Just then I spotted two teachers who had loved me and often talked to me about Jesus Christ. As I walked among them, I became aware of the wide variety of ages, old and young, and every age in between. Many of them had known each other on earth, but each had, many of them hadn't known each other on earth, but each had influenced my life in some special way. Even though they hadn't met on earth, they seemed to know each other perfectly now. He saw Grandpa. Remembering Grandpa, not as being sick or not as being feeble, but Grandpa being strong and robust. You know, when we go to heaven, we will be who we are. And they will be who they were. And we will see them exactly the way we remembered them. Let me read this about a little boy who went to heaven. Four-year-old Colton Burbo, Burpo had a brush with death and claimed to visit heaven. Several months later, he and his dad, Todd, were driving across the Nebraska cornfields. Colton asked his dad if he had a grandpa named Pop. Todd said he did and told Colton that Pop had passed away when Todd was about Colton's age, his father about Colton's age. Colton replied, well, he's really nice. Todd almost, drove, Todd almost drove off the road. He later, later relates, it's a crazy moment when your son uses the present tense to refer to someone who died a quarter of a century before he was even born. He's really nice. Not he was really nice. He is really nice. As Todd and Colton continue to talk, Colton explained that not only had he met Pop in heaven, but he got to stay with him. Not long after they got back from their road trip, Todd pulled out the last picture of Pop that he had. Pop was 62 with white hair and glasses. Todd, the dad, asked if Colton recognized him. Colton squinched up his face and shook his head and said, Dad, nobody in heaven is old and nobody wears glasses. It bothered Todd that Colton didn't remind, re, re, recognize his father, Pop. So he had his mom send a younger picture of Pop when he was about 29 standing with his wife, Colton's great-grandmother, and two other people. He showed it to Colton who said, hey, how did you get a picture of Pop? Colton's great-grandma, now in her 80s, whom Colton had recently seen, was also pictured next to Pop. Colton didn't recognize his great-grandmother, who was in her 20s. Yet he recognized his 29-year-old great-grandfather, whom he had never met. Later that October, 
Colton gave his family another surprise as they were all gathered in the living room working on a project. Do you know, Mommy, I have two sisters, Colton said. His mom, Sonia, corrected him, reminding him he only had one sister. Colton repeated himself, insisting that, no, I have two sisters. Sonia replied that Cassie is his only sister, and then asked if he meant his cousin, Tracy. No, Colton insisted, I have two sisters. You had a baby die in your tummy, Mommy, didn't you? Time stopped in the Burpo house. Shocked, Sonia asked her son who it was that told him that she had a baby die in her tummy. She did, Mommy, Colton explained. She said she died in your tummy. Sonia was overcome with emotion. They had never told Colton about the miscarriage. It's okay, Mommy, Colton said. God adopted her. Todd said that he could hear the effort it took for Sonia to steady her voice as she asked Colton what his sister looked like. Colton explained that in heaven, a girl who looked a lot like Cassie, but with dark hair, ran up to him and wouldn't stop hugging him. He clearly didn't like a girl hugging him so much. Sonia asked him what her name was. She doesn't have a name. You guys didn't name her. You're right, Colton, Sonia said, dumbfounded. We didn't even know she was a girl. Colton said, yeah. She said she just can't wait for you and daddy to meet her in heaven. King David lost his infant son at birth. He had fasted and prayed and wept and wailed for healing. But when his son died, he stopped. His friends were confused, and David explains in 2 Samuel, Why should I fast when he is dead? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him one day, but he cannot return to me. King David knew that he would see his son again. This little boy saw things that no one can explain. The only way you can explain him is that he was in heaven. He saw his grandpa. He saw his sister that hadn't been born yet. Those that maybe we don't even know that passed away before us are alive and well and waiting to welcome us home. And what did he say? What did they all say? They can't wait to show us around. Now, I want to read something to you that I love. And a lot of people may have a hard time with this, but in a lot of the near-death experiences, especially with children, they not only saw Jesus, they not only saw their relatives, but a lot of them saw their pets. Now, we would think and say, oh, well, there's no animals in heaven. 
May I say to you what Jesus said to the Sadducees, you err not knowing scripture (laughs) and not knowing the power of God. Listen to what the Lord says in Isaiah 11. The wolf and the lamb will live together. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion and the child will lead them all. In one of the studies on near-death experience, Professor Van Lommel says in the study, children do often encounter their favorite pets that have died more frequently than adults do. There's one story I read of a little girl, and she she dies, she goes to heaven, and not only did she see Jesus standing there waiting for her, But with Jesus was Skippy. And she said these words. They asked her, you didn't see any relatives that that, uh, introduced themselves? And this little girl said, Skippy is the only one that I know that died. And here's Jesus welcoming her and standing there with her pet. Now we think, well, that sounds strange, but I want you to think about what every person said. Everything about heaven is love. Everything about heaven is love perfected. And how many of us learn the first real concept of love when we're given a puppy or we're given a kitty or we're given a pet and we love that? That's the, remember what Jesus said. He said, this life is all about love, loving God and loving each other. If you look at Judaism Eating is about love. You don't eat an animal that's been cruelly killed. It's all about love. So wouldn't it, is it a a far stretch of the imagination when we already know the lion and the lamb and the oxen and the calf and and the child and all them will be together? Wouldn't it be wonderful for our God who loves us so much that the moment a child enters into eternity, not only is Jesus there whom they will obviously recognize, but that child is there or that pet that that child loved is standing there also. I want to read you another story. This is about a man who had died in an automobile accident, came back, and then during treatment had gone to heaven again. Listen to this. Jeff Olson was back in heaven, and he says, I danced and ran feeling so joyful, and I marveled at the indescribable beauty that surrounded me it was vast and open and beautiful next week i'm going to i'm going to read some things descriptions of heaven and we're going to realize that eye is not seen ear is not heard it can't it, it, look think of the most beautiful beautiful place you could ever imagine you've been there or you've seen a picture of it or you've seen it on television and we can't even imagine what heaven is going to be like i danced and ran feeling so joyful and marveled at the indescribable beauty that surrounded me it was vast and open and beautiful i could feel and touch and taste everything as if i had not five senses but 50 senses it was amazing 
Jeff had struggled in the months of recovery after the tragic automobile accident. He blamed himself and felt intense despair over losing Tamara and baby Griffin. He struggled to let them go, wanting to die himself and go and be with them. Yet knowing he needed strength to stay and father his four-year-old, Spencer. At a low point in his recovery, he had another near-death experience of heaven. I quote, As I walked on two healthy, strong legs, I entered into a long hallway. And at the end of the hallway, I noticed a baby crib. I rushed to the crib and peeking in, saw something beyond, beyond joy. There lying in the crib was my little son. It was little Griffin. He was alive and he was well. He slept so peacefully. I looked at him and took in every detail. How his chubby little hands lay so peacefully beside his perfect face. How his hair lay gently across the tops of his ears. I reached into the crib and swept him up into my arms. I could feel the warmth from his little body. I could feel his breath on my neck and the smell of his delicate hair. He was so familiar and so alive. I held him close and cried tears of joy as I laid my cheek against his soft little head as we had always done before. It was Griffin. He was alive and I was with him, holding him in this wonderful, wonderful place. I felt something or someone move up beside me. The feeling coming from this being was so powerful and yet so loving that it almost startled me. I felt light and love engulf me. I knew my wife and son were gone. They had died months earlier, but time didn't exist where I was at this very moment. Rather than having them ripped away from me, I was now being given the opportunity to actually lay them in the arms of God. I let them go in peace, in love, and in gratitude. Everything suddenly made sense. Everything had divine order. I could give my son to God and not have him taken away from me. I held my baby son as God himself was holding me. I held my baby son as God himself was holding me. I experienced the oneness of us all. The being behind me invited me to let go and give Griffin to him. In that peace and knowledge, I hugged my little boy tightly one last time. I kissed him on his cheek and gently laid him back down in his crib. I willingly, willingly gave him up to God. 
No one could ever take him away from me. He was mine. He was God's. We were one, and I was one with God. Griffin was alive in a place more real than anything that we have here. I love the way God did this. As he holds his son in this near-death experience, all of a sudden, God is holding him. He's feeling the strength and the love of God around him. He's a man. He's an adult. And he's feeling him because why? He's God's little boy. And then God says, no one can take your son. Give him to me. I'll take care of him. Can you imagine what a peace you would feel experiencing that no one or nothing takes your family, your loved one, but you give them over into the hands of God. I want you to read something with me. Go with me to Romans 8. When I read this, you know, I've been a Christian for over 40 years. I have read this scripture, I would say, thousands of times. But I've never seen it the way I see it now. Romans 8. Remember, when you're reading the Word of God, everything has an earthly and it has a heavenly. It has a physical and it has a spiritual. Every teaching. Read with me in Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 18. For I consider that sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to us. Now, I want you to think about the suffering of losing someone we love. Let's read it again. For the sufferings, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with pangs, with birth pangs, until now. I want you, this life is like birth pangs until now. Not only they, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption. We go through these pains eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope. 
But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what one sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, then we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, remember that all teachings from God's word has to do with this life, and it has to do with eternity. And we know that all things work together for good. We lose a job, God's going to give us a better job. We lose our home, God's going to give us a better home. We understand this. But when you read this concerning eternity, and you read this when Jesus is talking about, the Lord is talking about birth pangs. Only women can understand this in its fullness. When you're about to have, when you find, first find out you're going to have a baby. Oh, you come home and yo, oh, man. And then everything starts swelling. <laughs> and everything gets uncomfortable. And you go to your husband and you go, do I look fat? And your husband lies before the Lord. <laughs> no, you look perfect. And then comes the birth of the baby. How many ladies remember when your child was born? The pain, the suffering, the travail. You know, when Tiz and I first had our children, we were hippies. And we were going to do everything natural. And I remember five minutes into it, Tiz is going, I want drugs! (laughs) Give me drugs! (laughs) But then that baby is born. Tiz says that there's a, when that baby comes out, that there's a forgetting hormone that is released so that women don't remember how bad it was. So they'll have more. Well, God is speaking about this in heaven. He said life is going to have some uncomfortable things. Life is going to have some pain. it's, it's It's just part of life. There are going to be times that you're uncomfortable. There's a time you're going, why am I going through this? But he says, especially when it comes to eternity. And we lose, God forbid, we lose someone we love. In reality, we are groaning as a mother is not groaning for the pain of that child being born. That mother is groaning for her pain. And we groan and we travail. But then we realize there is a birthing called eternity. And when we get to heaven, we won't remember the sadness. We won't remember the tears. We won't remember the pain. It'll be that forgetting drug that's released into us. Only it will be forever and ever and ever. Unfortunately, on this earth, we will lose people we love. But we need to hold on to the fact that we haven't lost them. They are in a place 
beyond anything that we can ever imagine. This life is a vapor of smoke. You know, I think of, excuse me for just being human. I think uh, our family is our best friends. Anna and Luke and Katie and then our grandchildren. And you asked Tiz if she would welcomely go through the pain of birthing every one of these children for the joy that we have had for the last almost 40 years. And she say, absolutely. Well, I want you to rest on that, that when you lose someone, you know, people say, well, you know, I know how you feel. Unless you've lost someone, you don't know how they feel. You know, we can't, we can't say to a woman, we know how you feel. We can't, we can't. I've been in there for every one of my children's birth. Oh my goodness. All I can say is, thank God I'm a man. <laughs> ah! I, I, even, I even birthed Luke. It was me and Tid. Didn't, make, didn't read the signs. Missed the rapture. <laughs> but the joy that is set before us. Listen to what Jesus said in John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you, that you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Years ago, why why does the Lord allow us to hear of near-death experiences? So people can come back and tell us about it. Why do we read scriptures in there about seeing Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Why do we hear Abraham say, I'm going to be with my family? Well, to ease that pain a little bit. He said, I've told you these things that you can have peace. In the world, there'll be, there'll be some pain. But understand this. Eternity in heaven overcomes the world. When we were pastoring our second church in Australia, and I thought about this when I read the story about the man who was hit by a semi. We were pastoring our second church. We had uh, um, been there in Australia about a month, maybe just a few weeks. And back then when we were in smaller towns and stuff, we'd have prayer meetings every morning at the church. Everybody come to pray and then everybody go to work or go back home or whatever. And it was a Sunday night and I can remember going to sleep and waking up dripping in sweat and having this horrible nightmare of somebody that I loved drowning. So I got up and I mean it just and it, you know I couldn't go back to sleep so I got up and I was praying and you know, I felt okay, and then I went back, and the nightmare came back again about a half hour later. And Tis says, what's wrong? I said, I keep having this nightmare of somebody we love drowning. Now, before we went to Australia, 
um, we only had a few days, and we had to make a decision who we'd go see, my parents or Tiz's parents. And we really felt led by the Spirit of God to go see Tiz's mom and dad in Montana. And they were wonderful people. I mean, they're the nicest, most wonderful, loving family. You know, I, I can remember when we were first married, and I came home one day, and, and Tiz and I were living in a little trailer, and she's at the sink, and I said, Hi, babe, how you doing? And she turns around, and she's crying. I go, what did I do? And she goes, I miss my family. And it was this time of year, there was always a family reunion. And everybody was at the family reunion, but we were in Arizona. And, and to be honest with you, I couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't understand why she would miss the, at, at my family reunion, she had to bring a gun. <laughs> Somebody was fighting before the day was over. But she had this leave it the beaver, Ozzy and Harriet, wonderful family. And so we decided to go see her mom and dad. And they're good folks and, and, and some, somewhat religious. But I can remember sitting in the living room with Tiz's mom and dad talking to them about the love of God. And I remember Tiz's dad finally said, well, I'm going to bed. And Tiz's mom stood up. And they, they were Catholic. And, you know, in the Catholic Church, you, you pretty much had to go to the priest. The priest would forgive you. And we kept emphasizing, listen, you, you could fall off a horse, call on God, and God would hear you before you hit the ground. And I remember her mom saying these words to us. You mean I don't have to go to anybody? I can go right to, to God? And we said, Mom, that's what Jesus is all about that he ripped open the Holy of Holies where you can go boldly at any place, any moment. You don't have to go into a booth and cut the turn. You can go boldly before the throne of God, any time, any place. She goes, wow, I never knew that. And so here we are a few weeks later in Australia, and I keep having this dream, and, 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 and uh, somebody's drowning. I, see him, I can see him going down in a whirlpool. And finally, about five o'clock in the morning, I'm, I'm, I'm back up praying. This happened like seven, eight times. And, and I'm praying, God, whoever this is, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was about. And all of a sudden, this person going down in the whirlpool cried out and said, Lord, save me. And I, and I, and I told Tiz, I told Tiz, I said, I heard him say, Jesus, save me. And a hand reached down into this, into this funnel, into this whirlpool, snatched him, p- pulled him right up. And I said, so whoever it is, is safe. It's fine. And I told Tiz that. And so I called one of the guys in church and said, listen, I've been up all night. You open the church up. I, I, I'm not going to make it for prayer. I, I, I need to get some sleep because I had some meetings that afternoon. And so I went back to bed. And about 35 minutes, 45 minutes later, bam, 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 on the door. And it was... Uh, a couple couples from the church and they said, pastor, uh, s- some folks just called, uh, from America. Uh, the, the American embassy called you, you need to call Montana right away. Some, something's wrong. And so Montana's where Tiz's mom and dad is. And so we got on the phone and the phone rang and immediately Tiz's dad picks up the phone and says, your mom's dead. And she had been coming back to work and a semi came over and ran over her now she was pinned under that car that semi for a couple hours and she was damaged 
beyond any repair. There was nothing. The only thing was keeping her alive was the metal. And at the funeral, this lady walks up to Tiz and says, Tiz, you don't know me, but I'm the nurse. There was a doctor and a nurse that came on the scene, was in the car right behind Tiz's mom. And they got up, and they knew Tiz's mom and dad. They knew the family. And they were underneath there trying to do what they could, and Tiz's family showed up. They were there and pronounced her dead. So they're outside of the truck and the car and the police, and, of course, it's a horrible scene. And she's been under there for a couple hours now. She's gone. And she tells Tiz, she said, all of a sudden we heard a noise. And we go, this can't be. She's been gone for over an hour. And the nurse and the doctor crawled back under that wreckage. And Tiz's mom, Gwen, said, listen, when you see Tiz, you tell her, I'm going to be okay. And the nurse said, Tiz, I told her, Gwen, listen. You're, you're injured beyond anything. We, she goes, no, no, I know that. I know that. But you tell Tiz, I'm going to be okay. She'll know what I'm talking about. That pain of knowing that her mother had passed is beyond imagination of any of us. Some of you have faced that. But know this, they're going to be all right. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You say, well, why did God do that? I'm going to share something with you that, remember the scripture that they, this, I told you earlier, I'm going to share it. The Sadducees came and they tried to trick Jesus. They didn't believe in the afterlife. And Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God and heaven. And they said, well, let's say somebody is married. And the husband dies. And she remarries. And then he dies. And she remarries again. He dies. Well, seven times. Who's, who, who's, whose wife will she be in heaven? And Jesus said, you err because of two things. You err because, number one, you don't know the word of God. You don't know scripture. And number two, and this is the thing that's even more important, you err because you don't understand the power of God. God can do anything. He says, I give you these things so that you can have, listen to what I'm saying. You can have a peace that passes. Can I have my piano player? A peace that passes all understanding. A peace that passes beyond anything that you can understand. Let me share this last story with you. My my niece, years ago, had triplets. Just beautiful kids. Just, Just gorgeous triplets. But one of them, Layla, was born with a lot of health issues. Now, I'm going to tell you something that, without getting into all the details, that God forbid you are or have gone through the pain of losing someone you love. 
in the middle of that, no, number one, you'll see them again. You are still you. They are still them. But you'll see them again. But understand this, too, that God will send little hints of encouragement. And I'm not going to get into a lot. And you study Judaism and you study the understanding of the next life. And God will bring you little things that will encourage you. Layla was sick and some severe health problems. Everybody's praying. Everybody's believing God. Everybody's trusting the Lord. But there were real complications. But God set something up. I was actually supposed to be this week. John and I were supposed to be uh, hunting in Canada, going mule deer hunting. And this bizarre situation, this bizarre circumstance came about that Luke and I ended up in Phoenix, Arizona, where Layla and her family lived. And just bizarre situation. Just shouldn't have been there. Just the most, And in, in that was a miracle. I mean, a miracle took place out of that. I mean, a real miracle. But because we were there, we got a hold of Tissa's sister, and this was her daughter's, this is her granddaughter, and we said, well, let's meet, for, let's meet for dinner. So we met at this outside place. Now, I'd, we'd never met the triplets. N- never met them. And um, they come up. And, you know, kids that are three, four years old, they, you know, they don't necessarily like strangers. But Layla came and immediately came and just sat on my lap. Just came and sat on my lap. They tried to get her to sit in her own chair. No, no, she wanted. She was going to sit with me. They ordered food for us all, and she would not eat her food. She had to eat my food. <laughs> now we thought this was this is this is adorable. You know, Th- this little girl has great discernment. <laughs> but we see later it was a sign of comfort. The other kids really, really didn't pay any attention, but she, she wanted to sit with me, eat my food, and, and, and just, you know, just, clunk, just cling to me. It wasn't long after that that Layla went to heaven. And they asked me to come. The, the families, that part of the family was not very religious. And they asked me to come and do the services. So we're there and all the family. And I'm studying. So I said, Lord, give me something special. And so I'm studying the afterlife according to the Torah. And I read this teaching where the moment, the moment you're passing from this life to the next, you hear a voice. And that voice is calling your name, Layla. The, mo- this, the moment you're, you're, they're going from this life there, and they're hearing this voice, and it's the voice of God. And God is standing on the edge of heaven, Layla. So from the millisecond you're leaving this, not even a millisecond, you're being welcomed by the most loving father there is on the face of the earth. Layla's favorite color was purple. And so at the going home service, we all had purple balloons. 
And remember, she's a tr- one of the triplets. And everybody released the purple balloons, and they all pff, went off. But three of the purple balloons wrapped their strings around each other and went off in another direction. For a year, for a year, every time they took a family picture, there was a purple dot in that picture. Every single time. They would be up in Flagstaff, purple dot, be Grand Canyon, purple dot, be it with Grandma and Grandpa in Montana, purple dot. Every single time. Why? Because God is such a wonderful, loving God that he just gives us those reminders. You didn't lose them. I'm just taking care of them for you. One of the questions people ask me over and over again is, how old will we be? How old will we be? Well, Jesus died at 33. And he says, uh, follow me. But when you read these different near-death experiences, one guy said, he said, "I, I was walking through the city of God, Jerusalem. And he said, I saw a playground with children laughing and playing. I saw teenagers walking and and fellowship with each other. He said, I saw my grandma and grandpa sitting on the porch of a three-story building saying hi to all their neighbors and greeting everybody as they came by. So here we see children, we see teenagers, we see babies, we see grandparents. Well, how do you how do you explain that? Well, in heaven there's no aging. But I believe that Let's say, God forbid, well, let's say Layla's mom and dad. Layla's mom and dad lost Layla. When they go to heaven, they'll see Layla as she was. There's no aging. But I believe in all my heart because we don't even understand the power of God, that they'll watch Layla grow up. They'll enjoy those times. They won't miss out on anything because think about it. This, this life is full of imperfections when we go to heaven it's perfect it's beyond anything we can imagine and nobody will get old nobody will die but when we first go to heaven i believe we'll see people just because it will be such a comfort yes we'll see jesus and yes that's beyond anything but we'll see family just as we remember them and then there'll be a transition that'll take place And we'll all live forever and ever and ever. You know, I've done so many going home parties. And sometimes you hear somebody say, I wish I'd have been a better husband. I wish I'd have been a better wife. I wish I'd have been a better father or a better mother. I wish I'd have been a better son or a better daughter. Well, understand this life is a vapor of smoke. When we get to that life, we'll be in the presence of perfection. And we will be the perfect husbands, the perfect wives, the perfect mothers, the perfect fathers, the perfect sons, the perfect grandsons, the perfect pastor. Because there, this life is practice. 
that life is where we really belong. Would you stand with me all over the building? I close with this. Remember when my Aunt Helen passed away? My Aunt Helen's the one that prayed me into the kingdom. Prayed me. Prayed until Jesus grabbed me. And remember she was told my mom, I'm going, I'm going. He's coming for me. Oh, there he is. And she looked at my mom and said, be good. I'll see you when you get home. This is not our home. This is just the birthing process into something that is beyond imaginable because we will forever be not only in the presence of God, we will forever be together. What a mighty God we serve. Can you give the Lord a clap offering and tell him you love him? Amen. I'd like to have every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. And I'd like this all to say this out loud together to make sure that we are ready to make heaven our home. Say this out loud. Say, Father, I come before you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much. You sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Now, would you allow me to pray for you? Father, if there's anyone here that has a broken heart, Father, I release that power of God that reminds us that you have come to heal the brokenhearted. Father, if there's anyone who has that heavy heart or a heavy spirit because we have lost someone we love, Father, I release the spirit of joy and hope that we will see them again, that this life is but a vapor of smoke, And then we will all go home. Father, I ask that we don't just look to heaven, but while we're here, realize we have a job to do. To tell the world the good news. The good news that Jesus Christ is Lord. Father, I release the anointing of peace that passes all understanding. In a spirit of hope and joy beyond our imagination. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Next week.